Hello and welcome to the Discover Money Podcast. My name is Will and with me is Ben and we are two average people who have no formal financial training but have a huge passion for learning all things money. Each week we'll explore a new financial topic in hopes of better educating ourselves and hopefully you on how to stretch your dollar and set yourself up for a brighter future. Now let's get this started. Welcome back to Discover Money. Ben, we are on episode number 11 after taking about two weeks off now in full transparency. Unfortunately, it was my family's time to finally come down with COVID. Um, So it took last week off. I am feeling much better this week. So Ben, I appreciate you giving me a week or so to get back to full health, get the family back. But I'm excited to be back with you today. Yeah, excited to be back. Uh, glad you all are, are doing a lot better here um, now. And I think it's kind of everybody's going to have their time with, with COVID, it seems like. And uh, you just got your number called. But excited to be back here talking about um, stocks and investing and, and getting another episode out for our listeners. Yeah, so let's kick off like we've been doing for the past couple of weeks with our listener count update which is a little bit not as fully accurate as it has been since we took kind of two weeks off. Um, But if you looked back where we were kind of last week from a listener count, I think we were up one listener over the past week, which is now 17 active listeners. So Ben, we're working our way up slowly but surely. Um, And now we're up to 120 streams. So the good news is people come and they listen to multiple episodes, not just one. Um, So that's encouraging, Ben. So hopefully next week will be the magic week that we get over that 20 mark. Um, So I'll be crossing my fingers for that. Hey, we're we're over. We're in triple digits for the listener streams, and and that's that's all I was hoping for. So I'm already pretty excited by how many people that have listened, and uh, no expectations going forward. Uh, but uh, yeah, seventeen people and 120 listens. I'm I'm all about it. That's right. And what's really interesting, Ben, is you can look in kind of our reporting function and the um, app that we use to load up the um, podcasts. And it's interesting to see like all the different states and even countries people listen from. Like I had no idea that people not in the U.S. would be listening. So that, that's pretty intriguing and interesting to see. So we'll keep growing. We'll, we'll keep hammering home. So for all of you listening week to week, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Feel free to rate us, put a comment, tell us things that that you want to listen to, things that you like, don't like, and we'll keep evolving as we go. Anything else you want to add to that, Ben? I think we should keep a list of countries somewhere. And every every time we get a new country, we should, you know, either uh, try some of their food or, I don't know, we we should do something special every time we get a new country involved. I think we should get them to mail us some food of their own country. That would be pretty good. There we go. Okay. I don't know how we do that and how we make sure that someone doesn't poison us, but that that would be interesting to see. Have some some faith. Have some faith in humanity, Will. I'm always the the optimist on this show. I'm the realist. I'm the one always poking holes, but we all have jobs in life. All right, Ben. So moving on. So kind of our weekly recap. We did this a couple weeks ago just because it's such an interesting time in kind of investing and where we are as a country from an economy standpoint, a lot of volatility happening. 
Um, so Ben, talk with me. What have you been doing over the past couple of weeks? Have you been kind of just laying low, staying steady with things? Have you been doing any major trades? What's your emotions been like or thoughts? It's certainly been a wild ride. Um, we've seen you know, a pretty big sell-off in the market over this first month and a half of the year. Um, and we're starting to see, well, at least I thought it looked like we were starting to get a bounce back. But we, at the end of the week this week, dipped back down, you know, almost to those lows again. So it's just a volatile time. And, you know, I think it's important for us all to understand that these types of market corrections are, are very healthy, actually, for the market um, in general. And they happen quite often. So this is nothing, you know, this is not an unsurprising thing to happen at, at the beginning of the year. I think for me... I I haven't done a lot of trading back and forth in this market. I have been looking for values out there. So things like Apple when it dipped at the beginning of the year, um, now that Facebook has taken a huge plunge after their earnings, it was down something like 25, 30% in a matter of 48 hours, which is just bonkers for a uh, stock that big like Facebook. I think I saw a stat that uh, it was the largest loss of capital in one day that any business has ever had. Meaning that their stock, when it dropped twenty five percent, that's not the that's not the highest percentage drop in a day. But because Facebook is so large, the millions and millions of dollars that were lost in capital that day by the stock going down by 25% was the most that's ever happened to any company in the history of the stock market. Um, so I'm just looking for value stocks that I think are long-term holds um, like Facebook, like Apple, like Microsoft that are down uh, and finding ways to put a little bit of extra money in those. So Ben, I have a question. I'm going to hit you with a hard-hitting question. So forgive me later. Um, but so you say you're looking for value stocks or value opportunities. How do you assess that something is a value play when it goes down 25%? How do we know that that is something that's going to go back up and is not just course correcting back lower to where it probably should be since we're at such a high valuation in general? It's a great question that every trader is trying to figure out the answer to, for sure. Uh, you know, if we knew 100% that things were going to go back up, we'd, we'd all be millionaires. Um, but, you know, I think the things that I look for are stocks that are big stocks, big blue chip stocks that, you know, have a proven track record, track record over the years of consistent success. And Facebook is one of those. Apple's one of those. Microsoft is one of those. Those big blue chip stocks, you know, have a, have a very good track record of continuing to go up and grow earnings. Um, one, you know, there's lots of measurements out there. One of them in particular is price to earnings. That's probably the one that I would look at the most when it comes to trying to value a stock. Um, the normal price to earnings. So that the price to earnings just means you have. Um, the price of the share, so say the share is $100, and then you divide that by the amount of earnings that that business generates per share. So if you have $100 is the stock price, and they generate $20 in earnings every year in profits, 
then your P.E. ratio, price-to-earnings ratio, would be 5, right? And in general, the lower the price-to-earnings ratio, the, the better value a stock could be. And there's a lot more nuances of that. But, for instance, Facebook, as it's come way down, I think the other day it was at a P.E. ratio of 16, which is the lowest that Facebook has, has been in years and years and years and years, right? The normal stock market, the S&P, I think on average, the P.E. ratio is like 22, 23, somewhere in that vicinity. So Facebook, compared to the S&P, is actually at a, at a lower P.E. ratio right now. So those are just those are some of the things I would look at. Um, but there's nothing saying that Facebook could drop another 20% from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right. So Facebook is at a P.E. ratio of 15.94, uh, which, as you said, is kind of a oversimplified way probably to assess whether a stock is valued at a good rate or not. Um, and really the reason that I ask you that is <clears> – <throat> As we talked about, 95% of my stocks are in index funds, target retirement date funds. 5% of it is what I've called like fun money, where I pick individual stocks just to see what happens. But what I've realized and what we've talked about even on this show is I was really just gambling. I was saying, oh, I like that stock, but there's absolutely no reason why I was choosing that stock over another stock. Um, So what I've been doing is trying to educate myself on why one stock is a better value play than another stock and why it makes sense to invest in it. And what I've realized is I know nothing. Um, And I was literally just throwing darts at the dartboard. And before I do any more investing in any single stocks, I'm going to immerse myself in how to actually evaluate a stock and realize, does it make sense to invest in it? Um, and I was just curious if you like truly have a process for that. Because um, I know that you and I work very differently where you're like, I'm going to look at the chart and see what the momentum is with, with, with kind of those candle lights, I guess, or wherever it's going. And you kind of base it off that. So I was wondering if that was kind of more your play right now or if you're looking at more kind of the fundamental aspects of it or not. Well, they're called candlesticks. Candlesticks. Candle what did I call it? Yeah. A candle light? C- candle light. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, candlesticks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a mix for me. I think that I've, I think that I have trended towards um, the deep. I think I've trended back towards those blue chip names. And I think, you know, those are just, they're going to be less risky overall than some of the speculation stocks that uh, both of us have been into at mm-hmm. times in the past. And, you know, I think that makes a ton of a difference when it comes to just the risk. I think for my long-term uh, strategy, it really comes to picking stocks that you have a, that have a track record of continuously going up, right, over time. Same with the stock market. The stock market has continuously gone up. You know, since what 96 years or whatever our stat was from a few mm-hmm. years ago, we keep going back to. And yeah, it's going to have dips. But if it is continuing to go up, those dips are opportunities, right? So, you know, I think that's, that's the basic concept in my mind is pick stocks that you are very comfortable um, in saying that they're going to go up long term. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. But in 10 years, they're going to be up. And if you can buy when they are down, you're going to get a better percentage return than if you're buying when they're up. But I'll say probably my caveat and what I've really been paying attention to is just because it's down doesn't mean it's a good deal. 
Like if someone has a PE ratio or whatever of like 70 and all of a sudden it dropped whatever percentage gets it to 50 PE ratio, it's still a really high valued stock or overpriced stock, assuming that it doesn't have huge growth potential in the future. Um, so like those are the things that I've been paying attention to. And I'm like, oh yeah, just because something looks like it's down 30% and it's the time to buy. No, there's still a lot more caveats to it. Um, for instance, like this hopefully doesn't get people not to listen anymore because I know Tesla is a really popular stock. But I was doing a lot of research into that and watching a lot of like videos of people like getting into the fundamentals. And like Tesla having a P.E. ratio of 175 or whatever it is now is just insanity. Like it's just no way that it's worth what people are paying for it. Um, And as you and I talked about before, if it was trading off of fundamentals, it wouldn't be anywhere near what it is today. So I'm really investing because I do have a very small amount of Tesla stock. I think like less than $1,000. But I'm really just banking on the fact that people just want to buy Tesla because they want to buy Tesla, but for no actual fundamental reasons. Um, So those are the things that I'm really questioning myself and that very small individual stock portfolio that I have is, okay, if I'm going to hold it, it needs to be a reason that I'm holding it opposed to just like the hype around it. So that's just that's just been interesting for me. So I appreciate you having that conversation with me um, and talking through it because really what I've been doing over the past couple of weeks is just getting back to the basics, doing that research, and then continuing to DCA into those index funds. Um, as I see the stock market kind of dip down, I just put a little bit money in at, at each time that I want to put put money in. As we said, with the goal for me to kind of go from a 25, 30% um cash portfolio or cash um, asset allocation um, and kind of bring that more to a three to six month emergency fund over the next six months. So that's really what I'm focusing on. Um, Probably staying away from the single stocks, at least for the immediate future, if not more distant future from there. But all right, that's our recap. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that, Ben. (laughs) I think we we did did a great we did a great job. I think we nailed that section. <laughs> yeah, you can do a good job editing that. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving it all in, baby. Great. All right. Uh, so we'll get into our topic today. So uh, last episode, we started a Investor 101 series, and we talked about types of stocks, types of uh, securities in that episode, stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, etc., And we're going to continue that type of discussion today with our 101 series. And we're going to move over to order types and order timing. So this is really when you are going to place an order with your broker for a stock, for an ETF, for a mutual fund. These are the two pieces that you have to set to direct your broker, right? So what type of order and then in what time frame? Do you want that order to be in? And we'll we'll go through these. And I know um, as we were talking before the show, you know, I'm I'm relatively familiar with with most of these just from doing a little more active trading. And I think from what you were telling me, some of these are, are kind of new to you, right? Uh, I want to say new to me, but like things that I don't do on a regular basis. So I don't have all the minutia um, around the different order types. And I think that one thing that I think about as we were doing this, I was like, if I'm worried about if my broker is going to put in a trade now or 15 minutes from now or at this price or that price, that's just a very different trading habit than me because I don't necessarily care where the stock's going to go in the next 
30 minutes or 30 days or even maybe even three years. Um, so I think that, as, you're, as you said, it's probably more the active trader that cares about these type of order types a little bit more. For sure, for sure. All right, so let's jump in. So we'll start with order types. So the first one is a market order. So when somebody goes to place a market order to buy or sell a security, that means it's going to happen immediately. So as soon as that broker gets the order, it's executed at whatever price the stock or the ETF or whatever it is, whatever that security is at, that immediate price is what it executes at. So if Facebook is selling for $125.13 and you put in a market order to buy a share of Facebook, as soon as you hit submit, whatever that price is, so that $125.13 or whatever I said is what it's going to execute at. Right, So the market order is probably the simplest order, um, and the only caveat to the market order, or one nuance, is that it has to be done during the day, meaning that it has to be done when the market is open. So that is from 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time to 4 p.m. Eastern Time uh, for a market order to execute. Mm-hmm. Will, have you, uh, have you ever used a market order before? Yeah, I mean, that's how pretty much every order that I do is placed. Um, the majority of what I buy are um, mutual funds. So they settle at the end of the day anyway. Um, but for those individual stocks that I have placed in the past, I would say 99.99% of those have just been a market order. I said, I'm just going to buy it at this time. Whatever the price is, is the price is. The only time that I've used something else is when I wanted to place something outside of general trading hours. And I just set the price so when the market opened, it had a price to actually buy it at throughout the day. And I would say that that's probably true for most people. The market order, again, it's the easiest to understand. You see the price uh, and you, and you per- essentially purchase it at that price, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the next one, the limit order. So this one has a little more complexity to it. So a limit order is an order to buy or sell a security at a specific price or better. So for instance, if you want to buy stocks at with a limit order, you're going to set that price lower than what the stock is currently trading at. So we use Facebook again. If Facebook is currently at $125, but you don't want to pay $125, you're comfortable paying $100 for Facebook. You can set a limit order at $100, and if and when Facebook's stock price dips down to $100, you will execute that purchase at $100, right? So the most that you're going to pay for that stock is is $100. Now, there's no guarantee that Facebook is ever going to dip down to $100, right? That could never happen, and that just means the order is never going to execute. But a limit order is a way to, if you think things are going to go down, or you just want to place an order in case things go down, um, a limit order is a way to get a better price for a stock. And that's on the buy side. And then similarly to that, you can have a limit order on the sell side. So for instance, we use the same example. Facebook's at 125 I own shares of Facebook. I don't want to sell at 125, but maybe I would love to sell my stock if the stock ever gets to 150. 
So I'll put a limits order in at 150, and if Facebook reaches 150, I will automatically sell those shares at that price. So it's a way of putting in an order for later and hoping that the stock acts as you want it to. And when the stock finally reaches that, that strike price, an order executes. Which the limit order on the sell side to me makes sense. And I do have a few limit orders on those individual stocks that I have. Um, just because they're the more speculative ones, I said, okay, if it hits this mark, that's my out no matter what. But the limit order on the buy side is a little bit more interesting to me. Um, I don't know how long you can allow a limit order buy to just sit in the queue. My assumption is probably 180 days because that's typically what I see as the option to do things for. Um, but I also wonder if you have a limit order and then an earnings report comes out and it drops really low and you haven't adjusted that, the fundamentals of the company that you're buying into may be vastly different with the more information that comes out and it's dropping for a reason. So I also wonder or think that you probably need to be careful on those limit order buys that you're not buying something at the worst time just because you have it set and you haven't adjusted it over time. Yeah, I think it depends on the broker on how long they allow limit orders to go. I know some are 90 days, some may be 180 days. Um, but yeah, you're right. If Whatever causes that stock price to go up or down, if it hits your price, it's going to execute. So that's definitely something to think about. You know, Are you comfortable on an earnings call when Facebook goes down 25% buying at that point? Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's the question. Um, a lot of people will use limit orders in conjunction with with some sort of chart reading, um, and I know my favorite you know, words. We should probably have a <laughs> we could, we can have a whole episode of that. I'm sure we will do that at some point. But they will look for lines on the chart that are support lines and put orders in around those those markers. Um, but yeah, that's 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 the game with the, with the limit order. You're uh, if, if you have it set and the price hits, it's going to execute. So you got to be comfortable with whatever price you're setting. I think a lot of people probably use it more on the upside, on the sell side, than they do the downside. I know I, I use a lot of limit orders on the sell side. Um, so a lot of people, especially if they're doing active trading, you know, they may buy a stock and they say, okay, I want to make, you know, I'd be comfortable with a 20% gain on this stock. And as soon as they buy it, they just put in their sell limit order for 20% above the current price. And whenever it gets to a 20% gain, it sells and they've made 20%. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that have kind of automated strategies using limit orders um, so that you don't have to sit there at the computer all day and watching that stock price, right? That's the, ben that's the biggest benefit is you just put in your order and, and then you can walk away from it. Um, and not have to worry where the price is at on a day-to-day -day or minute-to-minute -minute basis. So, Ben, I know that you use the um, limit order on the sell side pretty often. Probably, would you say every day almost to some degree when you're doing active stuff? Um, not necessarily every day. I have them set for most of the stocks I own. Mm -hmm. So it just depends when they hit. Yeah. 
right now when everything is down uh, quite a bit, not many of them are going to hit. <laughs> yep. So now, now, now I'm waiting for them to, to come back up and, and get to those prices. Yeah, so I guess my, my mind goes to like when you and I text about like, because there's some days that you're doing a lot of buying, selling, buying, selling. That's more when the stock market is good. Like I think one thing that I've always thought about, which I haven't asked you directly or even even said directly, is like my mind goes to are people stepping over dollars to pick up pennies because you're like you're picking up those small gains, but over a three week period, if it was continued going up and you just held it the whole time, is there an opportunity that you're giving that you're not taking advantage of those bigger gains because you're realizing those smaller gains throughout the process? So that that's always something that I've always always thought about. Clearly, many people do day trading; some more successful than not. Um, but I would say it's just an interesting setup because I just don't do it regularly. They're all different strategies, you know. I think the ideal with more active trading is that you're taking advantage of volatility, and so when something goes down, you. Yeah, you know the basic idea is when it goes down, you buy it, and then you wait for it to go back up, and then you sell it, right? Buy low, sell high. That's the basic basic premise. Now that's much easier said. Than Remember done. our timing uh, the market episode, <laughs> right? Much easier said than done. But you know, people who are successful at swing trading or day trading generally have strategies that are set. They have you know, different formulas and order processes that take advantage of, of you know, what the, what the volatility they're trying to take advantage of. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Let's talk about stop order, Ben. Talk to us about that. All right. So a stop order is, it's sort of similar to a limit order, um, but it's kind of the other direction. So a stop order, um, it's also on the downside, is, is also referred to as a stop loss order, is when you sell a stock as it is dropping. So for instance, Facebook's at 125. Well, I own Facebook. I don't want to sell it here at 125, but if it got down to 100, it would make me really nervous and I think I'd be ready to cut bait and put my money into something else. So I could put a stop order at $100 and if the stock drops below 100, it would sell at that point. Uh, so that's it's kind of a line in the sand type of thing. So a lot of people will have stop orders on their stocks and potentially limit orders also on their stocks. And that gives them a range. Mm-hmm. So whenever the stock you know falls to one of the range high or range low of their orders, it's either going to buy or sell. Um, so the stop order, you know, if you were worried about earnings or just some big crash in the stock price, a stop order could be a, um, a time to do that. The only caveat with a stop order is on the downside, it, it only executes when the market is open. So you cannot have a stop loss that's going to execute during extended hours, which means... On earnings calls, which are generally extended hours, um, a stop loss is not going to execute. Now, you could sell it with a limit order, but a stop loss is not going to execute during extended hours. Hmm. 
So stop loss is something that I probably should have been a little bit more familiar with. Um, and I think probably for people that are investing in those more speculative stocks, which I'll say I, I was um, prone to before when I wasn't doing research and kind of just picking some stocks. Because you have no idea if it's going to go down, if it's ever going to come back up. And when you look at my personal situation, one of those more speculative stocks, I looked up over a few weeks period and down 65%. When in theory, I probably should have, okay, here's a number that I'm willing to lose. And then if it keeps going down, then I'm going to sell it and move on to something else. Um, So I think that that's probably really important that if you really are one of those investors that are doing the more speculative style investing, that you have to have an amount that you're willing to lose, set it in the queue and let it be. Um, That way you're not in a position where all of a sudden you're down 60, 70, 80% with potentially no chance of getting it back. I would say those larger blue chip stocks, Ben, maybe it's slightly different um, because there's probably a little bit more history and chance that they're going to come back. Um, But some of these stocks that don't have any earnings, they're not profitable, um, probably really good thing to take advantage of those stop loss orders. You're absolutely right. I think the blue chip stocks, the the consistent earners, you know, that's that's what you have to be careful with is that human nature is when things go down, we want to sell it. And we've talked Mm -hmm. about that. And you know, the, if you're in this for the long haul and you're you're investing for the future, that's that's a um, that's not the right mindset. <laughs> because if we sell when things are down, well, that means you're going to start buying when they're up, and now you've lost you've lost that whole gap of of it going back up. So, um, yeah, stop orders are definitely tools in the toolbox. I think you know a lot of people just think of them as a line in the sand. And so, you know, I think we have to think about what stocks or things that we're holding, we want to hold for the future forever, no ifs, ands, or buts, no matter what it does, right? Or what are things that we're holding that, you know, if they went down by, you know, a whole bunch, we would want to get out of. And I think that just comes down to our strategies and how we view view our accounts. But on the flip side of that, Ben, on here that we haven't talked about yet is the stop order on the buy side, Uh, which as you and I talked a little bit about before we started recording is that makes absolutely zero sense to me. Uh, Because basically what a stop order is on the buy is if Facebook is at 125 and I'm going to buy it at 130 as kind of that mark, does that mean... I don't know. That that confuses me because if I'm willing to buy it at 125... I mean, if I'm willing to buy it at 130, why would I not buy it at 125? It's a better deal at that point. Um, so that's something that I, I don't really get. Do you do you know much about that, Ben? Have you done a stop order on the buy side before? So I have not personally. Um, I will say I don't know that all brokerages do allow you to do that. Um, so you, you will need to check with your individual broker, brokerage to see what their different options are. Um, but that being said, on the buy side... Um, the reason that somebody would do that is generally a day trader or a swing trader that is looking at technical analysis and they see that there's a resistance line where the stock has gone up to a certain place um, consistently. So Facebook has gone up to um, $125 and it's reached that peak you know, three times in the last year, but it's never gone above that. So what you'll have swing traders or day traders do is they'll set a stop order at 130 because generally 
and this is again generally it when the stock breaks through the resistance and goes higher generally it continues to go higher for at least uh, a certain amount of time generally you, it's called a, it's called a breakout uh, when a stock <laughs> bursts through its resistance that's you will just laughing at me yeah uh, but, the, but it's called a breakout um, it's a pretty standard strategy for day traders um, but no I have not personally done a done a stop buy order. I'm someone who knows absolutely nothing so nobody should ever listen to me but that just sounds like complete malarkey um, and grasping at straws and actual no size behind it but what do I know <laughs> I cannot. Well, I can't wait till we do our um, chart reading episode. That's going to be I a mean, lot. Of fun. I'm sure there's science behind it. I'm sure <laughs> I'm wrong, but it's just I'm a slow and steady. The Taurus is going to win the race in the end. Uh, so that's that's just so foreign to me. All right. So those are your main orders: market orders, limit orders, stop orders. Again, your brokerage may have some different options in there. They may allow you to do a stop limit order. Um, there, there may, there's, there's a lot of other kind of nuanced options that some brokers allow, but generally those are the basics. Um, so those are order types. And then the other piece that we're going to talk about today is order timing or the time frame of when those orders are to be executed. So when you put in your order with your brokerage, the order type is one piece that it's going to ask you. And then the order timing or the time in force or the time frame, it gets called a lot of things, is the other piece. So let's let's go through some of those options. The first one is a day order that we'll talk about. And again, like the market order, that's the most simple, it's the simplest term. So a day order means that it's an order placed that will execute while the market is open. And it's only good for the remainder of that trading day. So we're on the East Coast. The market opens at 9.30 in the morning, Eastern time. It closes at 4 p.m. If you set a day order, the order is going to execute by 4 p.m. Eastern or it's going to be canceled. So that's what a day order is. Now, we're only talking about... Um, well, we're talking about two kinds, of, a few kinds of orders here with day. So remember, a market order, if you're just putting in a market order uh, and, and it's during the day, it's going to happen immediately, right? So it doesn't, you don't have to wait till 4 p.m. It just happens immediately. A limit order where you're waiting for the stock to either go up or down to do something, that's the one that, that really matters for the timing. So you, you have until 4 p.m. on that day for that limit to be reached, either up or down, for it to execute, or else that, that day order gets canceled. Will, any questions about a day order? No, I think that day order makes complete sense. And then I, I see the second one on here, Ben, is our extended order, uh, which operates very similarly to the day order, outside of the fact that it's extended trading hours. hours. So you can do it pre-market, post-market. So... I actually don't know when pre-market opens up, but whenever I'm awake at 5.30, it seems like pre-market's already there. Um, but basically, if you want to buy or sell a stock outside of 9 to 4.30, um, that is when you do an extended hours, and then it's going to execute that. But to my knowledge, Ben, you correct me if I'm wrong, there's no guarantee that that order is actually going to be filled. 
It's a matter of can they find someone to actually fill it, and if they do, then it gets filled. I know I've had a extended stock. Um, I think it was a buy at one point that just didn't get filled because there was probably no broker that was around to actually fill it or working with that stock. I guess is how it worked. Is that accurately summarize that, Ben? Yeah. So the extended hours, it it depends on the type of security and what time it's available. So some even even with stocks. Um, some stocks are available to trade extended hours starting as early as, I don't even know, maybe 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Um, a lot of them come online at 8. Um, and then, But some of them don't have extended hours at all, and you can only trade during the day. And then post-market, um, generally most things are available until 8 p.m., um, but it really just depends. And you're also right that there's no guarantee. So, so your extended orders are all going to be limit orders. So it has to hit a certain price and there has to be somebody willing to sell their shares at that price during extended hours. So there's a lot less generally, unless there's a big earnings call, there's generally less volume traded during extended hours than when the market is in session. So it may be a little tougher to get your order accepted. All right, so we got one more on here, Ben. We have good till canceled, which is pretty self-explanatory, but I'll let you kind of talk through the details on that one. Yeah, so a good till canceled is just as it is described. You set that order up, and it's going to stay as a potential executable order until... Um, until it happens, right? So, for instance, we talked about the limit orders, and we talked about you know maybe Facebook's at 125. I wanted to sell. I want to sell it for 150. So I'm going to put in a limit order of selling my shares at 150 dollars, but I'm going to put it good till canceled, meaning that I'm going to give it you know up to 90 days or 180 days, however long your broker allows that order to be in force. I'm going to give it that long to hit 150, and whenever it does, it's going to sell. Because if we use the other ones, extended or day, that order would go away, right, during once that time frame is over. The good to cancel just keeps the order active uh, for a much longer period of time. So generally, if you um, are going to use limit orders, good to canceled is the way to go. Um, unless for some reason you were trying to, to only... Um, execute that order during a single day. So really what we did today, Ben, is we kind of summarized, if you're opening your Fidelity app, your Charles Schwab app, whether you're buying a stock, whether you're buying a bond, whether you're buying an index fund, a mutual fund, ETF, whatever it is, these are the questions you're going to get when you go in there to actually execute a trade. So if you want to buy Facebook, you're going to have to decide, do you want it to be a market order, a limit order, a stop order, and then you're going to have to pick the timing aspect with it. Those are going to be requirements for you to actually hit the submit button to get it a process, whatever trade that you're doing. I would say for most people, you should ignore 90% of what we just said. And in my opinion, probably just buy an index fund and just buy it when you buy it. Because you're not going to care whether you buy the index fund today, tomorrow, three days from now, 20 minutes ago, whatever it is. Um, but if you're more into the detailed swing trading, day trading nature, things of that nature that Ben does, then you probably should be paying attention to all those different parameters around a trade. 
So doing a little bit of research, making yourself comfortable about it, I think is hugely important. I know when I was just getting started off, the Fidelity app was really confusing to me and intimidating because I had no idea what to be selecting. Um, But once you do it a few times, it gets pretty second nature. Um, But you should definitely play around with it and don't set any parameters that you don't know what they are because it could mean that you're trading things that amounts that you don't feel comfortable with. Um, So until you get comfortable with it, the market order, just buy and trade directly um, is probably your go-to. Yeah, Will, I think you summarized it well. I I think you're right that a large percentage of people don't need to to worry about stop losses, limits in their, if they're long-term investors investing for retirement, they're buy and hold, etc. If you fall into the category of wanting to do some active trading, that's when these all of these orders and order times really come come more into play. Um, but you know, even even your long term holds um, are going to need to know what day extended um, and a market and a limit order are because when you put in your well, even well when you put in your uh, monthly or weekly buys, you're having to use these same order types when you do it. Too. Yep, fair enough. I just default to the market order and execute it right away. We're gonna get you. Maybe we're gonna get you to do a when you wake up at five a.m., which I still have three (laughs) hours of sleep left at that point in my day. But when you wake up at five a.m., you you, why don't you try setting a limit order next time or an extended? I'm pretty sure I did that one time when I think I was buying Google one time, and I I don't know why I couldn't buy it at that moment. Extend. I probably just didn't know how to do extended trades on, on the app. To be honest with you, so I did set a limit order buy. I think is what I did. Well, there you go. And Google's done great. So, you know, one for one. Google has done great for me. I will admit that. (laughs) All right. Well, well, I think this has been a good episode. Again, uh, we're we're going through this 101 series and trying to go back to basics. But anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? No, I, I don't. Thank you all for joining us for episode number 11. Hopefully next week we're going to hit that magic 20 listener mark. That'll feel really good for us, Ben. So we'll be crossing our fingers there. And we look forward to talking to everybody next week. Discover Money is out. 